Welcome to Centerpoint Church, where we are all about loving and leading people to a life-changing connection with Christ. We're so excited that you decided to join us today, and we believe that no matter where you're listening from, this message will enhance your connection with Christ. We hope you enjoy this message. Hey, good to see everyone today. Welcome to Centerpoint Church. Hey, we made it. We're here. Celebrate. If you are new with us at Centerpoint, my name is John. I'm lead pastor. I'm glad you came. And I want you to get a Bible out or open the Bible app on your phone. We'll dive in in just a minute into the scriptures. But while you're opening the Bible, uh, so Ann and I decided to have a little date night earlier this week. And we thought, well, let's just, you know, go see a movie. And, and uh, we found a good movie to see called The Lost City. And uh, we decided we'd see that one. It would have, you know... Um, Sandra Bullock and, and, and Channing Tatum and Brad Pitt and all these others. It was going to be great. And so we just uh, went and saw it. And, and we're sitting there in the theater. And uh, we got our tickets. We're snuggled up on the seats, you know, with blankets all reclined out. And the movie's going. And it's, you know, Sandra Bullock and Ch- Channing Tatum guy's character. They're, you know, lost in the woods in this jungle somewhere. And these bad guys are chasing them. And, and, and uh, then they, they're, they're running from the bad guys. And, and they have to go through this stream in the jungle, and they come out of the stream, and Channing Tatum guy's got like leeches all over his back, and Sandra Bullock's got to pick him off, and the leeches are crawling down, like let's say to the backside, and uh, let's move right along, <laughs> and, and then they're, they get to a cliff, they climb the cliff by the waterfall, the bad guys are chasing them, they get in a little car, they drive down the trail in a little car, it crashes and goes off a cliff, and then they're running, and the bad guys come on the motorcycles, and the bad guys are about to kill them, and then, and then, and then, and then the screen went totally black in the movie theater. And where, where are they? What, what's going to happen? You'll never know. <laughs> the screen went black. Okay, and so the screen is, is off. And all of us are just sitting there in the movie theater, a packed movie theater, completely silent. Because we're all in the middle of this moment, just waiting for the, you know, the thing to happen, whatever's going to be next. And, and, and it just doesn't happen. And it doesn't come on. And at about three minutes into this very awkward silence, somebody from the back shouts out, all right, who's got the remote? It's like, it's like one of these like rhetorical question moments, you know? But we're all wondering, you know, does someone have it? Because really, it'd be nice if you did play again. And uh, somebody comes in and says, we're working on it, trying to fix it. And five minutes after that, they come back and say, you know what? We just can't figure it out. And we can't fix the thing. Sorry, you guys all have to leave. That was our date. Can you believe that? Like, that was not the way the day was supposed to go. And so we're, we're, we're leaving. We're heading out the movie theater. And, and, and um, you know, I, I, I just want to know. I'm, I've been wondering ever since that day, like, what happened to the Sandra Bullock character, you know? And, and did they escape the bad guys? Or did the, her agent friend who was for her come to the rescue just in time? I don't know. Inquiring minds want to know. Yeah, somebody's going to look it up while I'm preaching, and you're going to show me at the end of the service. But, uh, you know, sometimes we, we, we have things that are a little bit unsettled, but other times we have answers to our questions, and, and we're going to jump into Romans 8 right now, and we're jumping in right in the middle of some rhetorical questions. And I, I want you to, to remember kind of where we're coming from in this passage of Scripture. We've been taking a month and a half to just dwell in Romans chapter 8 and take in all that we can from it. And I can't possibly have 
squeezed all of the goodness out of it in a few short sermons, but at least we hit a few high points. And we began in Romans 8 with the understanding at the beginning that because of the Holy Spirit in us, we don't have to give in to every whim of sin, that we really do have a power from God to be able to do something different, to live beyond the power of sin and to live in a different kind of life. And then in the next section of Romans 8, we saw that not only do we have uh, an access to the Holy Spirit so our minds are different, but also we, we get to live by the leading of the Spirit because the Spirit lives in us and that we're loved children of God. And then the week after that, the third part of it, we got our, our hearts around this notion that we focus on the future to persevere in the present. And then last week, we dove into the reality that for every one of us, there's different kinds of, of weakness that confront us. And, and we embraced this idea that I know that Holy Spirit is working in my weakness, and those are all of the things that we've been exploring in the last five weeks. And, and as we've been moving through Romans chapter 8, I hope that you've getting, gotten some things of your own. God's just been speaking to you. And, and I hope you'll take them to heart. I hope you'll hold on to the truths that are eternal, that are infinitely valuable from God's word here in Romans 8. And as you think of all these things that you've been uh, taking to heart from Romans 8, we jump into Romans 8, uh, verse 31, and we're going to wrap this up right now. And it says, so, so what shall we say about such wonderful things as these, all these things that we've been gleaning the last few weeks? What shall we say? I'll tell you what we'll say. What we'll say is that God is for us. That's what we'll say. Uh, let me just read it again. It said, what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, what, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything? And, and, I, and I hear that rhetorical question, right? If God is for us. And, and I recognize, though, that, that in other translations, it is sometimes expressed since God is for us. And that's really the sense of that word there. It's if, it's, it's since God is for us. And sometimes you and I need to live with a kind of resolve in this life where we are able to know beyond the shadow of a doubt this truth, my God is for me. And I'm saying it because I believe it. And I'm declaring it so that every spiritual entity around me and my own soul within me would hear it and remember the truth of it. My God is for me. It said if our God is for us, but it's pointing to the reality that he is. And that because of that, you live in an eternal victory that's based on the everlasting love of God. And this is the main idea of this message today, just simply straight out of the gate, right like this. I live in eternal victory in the everlasting love of God. I want you to just say that with me one time. Say it, go. I live in eternal victory in the everlasting love of God. Say it one more time. I live in eternal victory in the everlasting love of God. Say it one more time. I live in eternal victory in the everlasting love of God, whatever else is happening, whatever else is coming at me, this is the truth. 
I stare through the clouds and I see the, the glow and the brilliance and the dazzling light of the presence of God right on the other side of that thing. And I'm going for it because I live in the everlasting love of God and the victory that comes from him. I got to keep reading it. It said again in Romans 8.31, what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? If God is for us, say that with me, if God is for us. If God is for, if God is for us. For us. For us. Not against us. By our side. Holding us. For us. So a few, a few weeks ago, one of my kids uh, lost his driver's license. And so if, if you've lost your driver's license, you know what you're in for, right? You're, you're digging up documents, trying to find all the right papers and getting on the websites and making sure you have every last one. And then uh, we, got on, we got on the website, and by we, I mean my wife, she did all the back work on this one, but so we got on the website and tried to get an appointment at the DMV, but it uh, turns out there's no appointments at the DMV till like 2037. So... <laughs> Uh, you know what comes next, right? What comes next is, okay, we got to get up at zero dark 30 and go down there in person and get there before anyone with hope that somehow we'll get a, a place. And so, you know, my, my son and I leave the house just before six in the morning and we get down to the DMV parking lot and I'm the first one there, baby. The parking lot's empty. And so I pull into my, I back right in, like right in front of the door, right? So I, I'm pretty excited. Uh, and, and even though we have a couple hours to wait, I'm first. And so we wait. And after about 20 minutes, somebody else comes, 6.20-ish, and, and uh, that guy pulls in, and we kind of, through our tinted windows, look at each other and give each other a, a knowing nod, you know, as in, you know I'm first, right? <laughs> that nod. And so we, and then a third guy pulls in, uh, you know, three minutes later, and again, the, the knowing nod, we got a thing going on here. And then a fourth car comes in, and same thing, knowing nod. None of us want to get out of the car yet. It's still dark and cold and it's just too early. So we're waiting. A fifth car pulls in and this guy pulls in and there's no knowing nod. Problem number one. Problem number two. Guy jumps out of his car and he starts just walking briskly right up to the... I, I, I made my move too. I opened my door and I jumped out and I full on, you know, jogged right up. Oh, right there to the door. And then he got there right after me. I mean... Here's what happens. Guy comes up, and, and as, he, as, I, as I'm there at the door first, he, then he gets there, and then he goes, are you blankety-blank, bleepity-bleep, kidding me right now? And I'm not knocking anybody. This is how he spoke, wherever he was from. Are you bleepity-bleep, kidding me right now? You are an effing bleepity-bleep. I mean a bleepity-bleep. Sorry, sorry. That was a little too NSFC, not safe for true. I didn't mean that part. My wife's looking at me like, no, don't say those things. But at 6.30 in the morning, are you baby? And, and this guy, I mean, it went on and on. It didn't stop. And, and his chest is puffing out. He's leaning in like this. The veins in his neck are popping out. Skin's turning pink. His fists are cocked like that, right? You, you could picture it, right? And then here I am. I mean, you know me. All, all that's happening is my, my halo is glowing. And so, <laughs> yeah. Not really. What's happening for me is uh, uh, something's happened inside of me too. My blood's starting to boil and I'm going. <laughs> right? like, because yes, I'm your pastor, but I'm also a man. And, 
at 6.30 in the morning, the man was showing up, something fierce. And, and I, I'm, I'm leaning in in this moment. I mean, it's about to be the 6.30 throwdown at the DMV, right? And, uh, you know, you can see the headlines now, like local pastor implicated, or, you know, local pastor charged for battery, not charged his battery, charged for battery, right? Like it could have been one of those. And so there's this terrible moment. I mean, it's about to go down. And, and here's the other thing that happened. So when, when I had run up, the other guy, my, my knowing nod friend, he, had got, he saw what was going on. He got out of his truck too right then and was like, <laughs> and ran kind of with me. And, and he, he was right next to me in that line. And from the way uh, that he, he had been looking at me and the look on his face and the way he was positioning himself right here next to me, I knew that he was for me. And so when this other big dude started coming down on me, some kind of confidence was stirred up inside of me, but it was at least in part, if not solely because of the fact I knew I wasn't alone, but that this brother was there for me. And I just knew if it started going down, it's two on one. We got this. Right? <laughs> so I just wanted to say it makes such a difference when you know that someone is for you. I know, somebody's going, what happened? What happened? Okay, so what happened was then my son was in the car and he clicked something and the, the car alarm went off. And it was not, so, that wasn't supposed to happen, but it did. And I'm going, trying to tell him what to do while also like, <laughs> you know. And, and so I, he, I, anyway, I had to go, excuse me, excuse me. I had to leave and run to my car. God works in mysterious ways, right? And I had to fix the alarm system. And then as I came back, all of that Romans 8.1 started kicking in. That, oh, you're led by the Holy Spirit. <laughs> And I came back, and he's like, you want your blank in place? And then I was like, no, dude, that's, that's cool. And I just went to the back of the line, which by now there was, you know, five or six other people there. And it just it went, I'm, I'm good. And then my other uh, knowing nod friend, he came and stood with me in line too. And we had a nice conversation for the next hour and 47 minutes. It was great. <laughs> but <laughs> knowing that someone is for you, yeah, thank you, Lord. Knowing that someone is for you gives, you gives you something on the inside that you can work with. And when I get to Romans 8.31, what I hear is my God saying, I'm always for you. I'll never stop being for you. And nothing you could do would ever stop me from being for you. And whatever you go through, you can depend on me to be for you. And because of you simply turning to my son Jesus for all eternity, you need to know, says the Lord, I am for you. That's the resounding declaration from Romans chapter 8. I just hope that you could take it to heart and hear it today. Romans 8, 31, one more time, it said, what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? Why don't you say this out loud with me? Say it. If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Say that part again. If God is for us, who can ever be against us? And it's in the us statement category now, if God is for us, but you might as well take the jump and make it personal. God is for me. And would you just say it? God is for me. Yeah, just one more time. Say it. God is for me. You can just put your hand on your heart and touch your vagus nerve for a second and say, my God is for me. 
Yes, he is. My God is for me. In the middle of the mess I made, it's still true. My God is for me. When there's opposition staring me down, God is for me. When the stakes are high and my chances aren't, God is for me. When there's accusations flying and I'm feeling alone, my God is for me. When I cross the line, and I did do wrong, but I'm repenting, my God is for me. And when there's an injustice taking place and I feel I have no voice, my God is for me. And when hell seems to have unleashed its full fury against me and I'm feeling the heat, I know even still that, say it, my God is for me. This gives you the upper hand in any moment of your life. And it's one of those things that you and I have the privilege of being able to step into at any moment. And it has nothing to do with whether you feel like you've deserved it or earned it or not. Because remember, we believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the gospel is not about, well, you finally cleaned up your act. It's about Jesus is so perfect and holy that he took it all for you. And that's our claim to spiritual fame, so to speak. It's in Jesus. And so at any turn, my God is for me. It's true. It's true whether you're on your best day or on your, on your most shady day. My God is for me. My God is for me. Let me keep reading Romans 8.33. It said, who, who dares accuse us? whom God has chosen for his own. No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us, and he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? It's a bunch of rhetorical questions. It's a thread through this whole entire message, these rhetorical questions. But, but you know the answer. You know the answer. Who? No one. But I want you to see something. In this passage that we just read through that is rhetorical statements, rhetorical questions, there's a, uh, there's a revelation of two, two things. There's a revelation of the devil's strategy to try to take you down. And there's a revelation of God's eternal goodness to keep you up. But, but let's just acknowledge the strategy of the devil that's revealed to us here. It's revealed kind of in, in code, in secret, but it's there between the lines. Uh, Anna and I were talking about this passage, and she kind of pointed that out to me. She said, you know what it looks like is that there's a revelation here of how the devil seems to come against people. And, and he, here's what I would say. It seems to me like the devil's plan is to try to take you on an acids trip acids trip. And, and here's what I mean. It's the things we just read and fused with a little bit of insight. First of all, A, accusation. That's where the devil's always going to try to begin, accusation. I mean, it started right in the very beginning. And, and in, in Hebrew, the name for the devil is Shatan, which means the accuser. In Revelation 12, at the end of the Bible, he is called the accuser of the brethren. And so the devil's strategy to come against you and me so often begins with an accusation. And the accusation uh, ends up being something like, this is all your fault. You're the one to blame for this. You, you, you. And then something happens weird inside of us if we haven't lived in Romans 8, 1 through 12, and our mind is, is kind of wavering, and, and we begin to go, 
yeah, it's all my fault. It's all because of what I did. And we begin to uh, take in that accusation. That's part of the acids trip. And then uh, the, the next part of that acids trip is C, for condemnation. Condemnation is about a, a statement or declaration that someone or something is useless, no longer any good. And, and that's the devil's tactic, is to try to say to you and me in some way, shape, or form, you're useless, you're worthless, you're no good. And then we end up kind of in, in some weird spot sometimes if we're not paying attention, going, man, I just, I just I'm, I'm so bad. I'm just such a piece of trash. Look what I did again. I am no good. I am the problem. And we embrace condemnation for ourselves. It's self-condemnation. And that's never from our, our heavenly father. It's come from some sort of weird whisper of the enemy that we didn't pay attention. And all of a sudden, we're believing a lie. And so we got ourselves on an acids trip. And we got the accusation turned into condemnation. And then uh, the next step is, is to the inn. Uh, the acids trip takes you to the inn. The inadequacy, the inferiority, uh, the insecurity. You, you are not enough. You'll never be enough. You don't have enough. You are nothing. And that inadequacy then gives way to a, a, the next part of the acids trip, the D, the disqualification. You don't have any right to be even saying you're a Christian. Who do you, you think you're a Christian? The way you did that and what you did over here, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. You are disqualified. And then we begin to think to ourselves, you know what, with what happened and what I did and the way I've been, you know what, I, I don't even deserve to, to, to have a life with God. And why would he even love me? And, and we begin to disqualify ourselves, so to speak, from the experience of God's love. And that acids trip lands with S, which is separation. Ah. Why even bother this whole life with God thing? I mean, forget it. He wouldn't really even want, want me anyway, right? I'd just forget. That is from the enemy. And what I see here is a revelation of that. And so I want to just say, my friends, be on the lookout. And when you catch any of what I just said somehow taking place in your mind or in the mind of somebody you know, you need to call it out as something that is not from God. Because what is from God is what we began with in Romans 8.1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And our heavenly Father sets the record straight from all eternity and says, look, have you turned to Jesus in simple trust? You might have a bunch of theological questions and mysteries you don't know about yet, but have you turned to Jesus Christ? Because if you have, he says, you're mine and there's no condemnation for you, no accusation gets to stick because if an accusation was coming your way, it would have to make it through the cross to stick to you, and it can't. And if there's a condemnation trying to cling to you, it is trying to do something it never could do, which is be more expansive than the mercy of God shown at the cross. And so I want you to take this to heart. My God is for me. And don't even think twice about whether it applies to you or not. My God is for me. Just say it, my God is for me. Because I believe the gospel. Because I believe in Jesus. Not because I worked it all out and figured it all out and but did the little Jack Horner thing. You know, little Jack Horner sat in a corner and stuck in his thumb and pulled out a plum and said, oh, what a good boy am I. It's not about that. 
It's about what a glorious God we serve in his goodness and in his love to send Jesus to take all of our sin for us so that we could know my God is for me. Say it again, my God is for me. My God is for me. And let me keep reading. Romans 8, 33 and 34, it said, so who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting at the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. Woo! You got a prayer partner. That's what I read. <laughs> I want you to just... Imagine this for a moment. You know, sometimes you're going through something, you're facing something, you got to deal with something, and you want somebody to be praying for you. And you might even say, hey, Tina, would you, you pray for me? Like you're, you're, you're a small group leader uh, from, from your church, from Centerpoint, or you're, you're a men's group leader, or, or you're a connect group leader, and you just feel like, man, they, I know they really, they really pray. Like, so you ask them, hey, i got to face this thing at work this coming week on Wednesday. Can you really be praying for me on Wednesday? I, I need you to be praying for me. And they say, yeah, I'll be praying for you. What time? And you say, yeah, right at 9 o'clock is when it's all going to go down. Pray for me. And just knowing that they're praying for you, kind of makes you feel a little bit more like, all right, I can do this. I can deal with this thing that's happening on Wednesday at 9. And you just know they got you. They got you. Okay, so imagine something for a moment. Imagine, just see how, how you want to see. But you, you kind of run into Jesus. And you say, hey, Jesus, would you, I know this sounds weird, but would you pray for me? Because <laughs> he is your friend. I mean, Scripture says he's your friend. Jesus, would you pray for me? I got this thing going down. We're having a, a family uh, blow up right now. And, and I don't even know how to deal with it. And then, uh, but on Tuesday night, we have to face the music. And Jesus, would you be praying for me? And can you imagine the look in his eyes saying, I'll be in the next room pleading for you. <laughs> and that, could you just now imagine it? Take it a step further. Right in the next room, in the very throne room of God, there's Jesus Father, 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 don't look at what she just stepped into right now. Instead, look at my feet, my nail-pierced feet. I'm pleading that you would look at me, Father. Father, don't look at what he's doing right now with his hands. Look at my nail-pierced hands, stretched out to cover, to cover him. Father, I'm pleading for your covering on my, on my beloved, my friend, him, my friend, Alice, my friend, John, <laughs> he's pleading for you. He's pleading for you. He, he's pleading for you. In every moment, he's pleading for you. And do you think that the plea of Jesus Christ, the righteous, would ever be ignored? Do you think you're so bad that you're going to be the one that's somehow going to dislodge the pleadings of Jesus Christ. Come on, my friend. We're covered. We got a, a loving Savior who stretched out his mercy across our lives and sits at the very right hand of God in every moment, pleading, pleading for us. Verse 35 says, so can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have 
trouble or calamity or are persecuted or are hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death. As the scriptures say, for you's sake, we are killed every day. We're being slaughtered like sheep. Nah, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. Yeah, so, so this is another section of rhetorical questions, rhetorical statements. And there's also a moment here where the Apostle Paul asks a question that I think we need to ask also. So let me just ask you to look at this with me. Verse 35, there's this question, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Romans 8, 35. Does it mean he no longer loves us? Would you just ask that question out loud with me? Say it. Does it mean he no longer loves us? Say it one more time. Does it mean he no longer loves us? This is an important question, but look what Paul does. Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or are hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? And Paul just starts naming names, like the things he's had to face. The trials one after the other. He, he named seven of them in particular. He could name a lot more than seven if you go through his life story. But this is one of those moments in the Bible I just hope you'd underline. The great apostle Paul. His story wasn't, and then I turned to Jesus after the, the Damascus road, and then everything was like cheesecake and cotton candy for the rest of my life. It's not. I just want to make sure that we're all on the same page about that. That, that, there, that there's a... A story in Paul's life of challenges, immense challenges, one after the other, just one after the other, coming his way. And he names them. And it gets real sometimes. And he asks this question that maybe sometimes some of us have felt too. Does it mean he no longer loves us if? And I wonder if you can relate to that a little. I wonder if maybe you might have like I have, gotten into some moments in your life where it just got so real that something inside of you is saying, God, do you even love me anymore? Why this? We need to be able to say so. But the, the rhetorical statement is that the presence of challenge and difficulty does not mean that he no longer loves us. Not at all. Not at all. In fact, the statement I'm making is, I live in eternal victory through the everlasting love of God. And I'm making that statement on purpose. I live in eternal victory. Say eternal victory. I wasn't only counting on a right here, right now, in this exact moment only kind of victory. I live in eternal victory through the everlasting love of God. And I have to be a healthy human being who can step back from the immediacy to see into the infinite of what God is doing beyond the right here and right now. Even though these things that are difficult keep cropping up. And I need to recognize who God says I am in the midst of them. So I'll put it like this. So, uh, Michael Hyatt, who wrote this book called Moving Forward, uh, or Living Forward, rather, he talks about this place on the eastern side of the Rocky Mountains where there's, there's cattle and then there's buffalo. 
two different kinds of, of animals, but they both live and, and roam the ranges out there. And what he said was that on that side of the Rockies, there are these uh, torrential thunder and lightning storms that just come up on that side of the mountain. And that, that happens all the time. And, and these two animals react in very different ways. And he described it. He said, the cattle... Uh, when, when they see the storm brewing over here, the cattle who are grazing recognize the storm and go, moo. And they see the storm and then they all together go, moo. And the cattle start trying to run and outrun the storm, which never works. And the storm then just goes along with the cattle and it stays over them the whole entire time they are running and they get pelted by this storm for practically an eternity until it runs out when it finally gets to wherever it dissipates. The buffalo though, the buffalo have a different wiring somehow. Same area but the buffalo, they become aware that there's a storm over here, and the buffalo go like this, go. And they just, is that an okay buffalo interpretation? That kind of lame, but that's what they do. The buffalo turn and see that storm and just bolt straight into it, straight into the storm. And what happens is the storm is going this way, and they're going this way, and it's quickly done for them. They got to deal with the storm. But because of this wiring to just go straight into it, there's a different outcome. It, it, it's a lot less damaging. It's a lot less painful for them. And, and I'm just saying to somebody today, be more like the buffalo. There's going to be storms. There's going to be trials. But there is something about who you are that allows you to have a different kind of a wiring, to be able to recognize, yep, there's a storm, let's go. Let's go. Because I see beyond this storm. Because I see that on the other side of this storm is the dazzling brightness of the glory of my God. Let's go. Let's run. Let's face it. It's not taking me out. I'll survive this storm. Let's go. Somebody say, let's go. This is what we get to do. There's no promise in the Bible that says you, you get an exemption from the difficulties and the trials. Not at all. But what we do get is this statement in Romans 8, 37. It says, no, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. Overwhelming victory is ours. But victory is only experienced if there was a contest. Victory is only manifest if there's a challenge to deal with. And so in our lives, some of the crap that comes at us is an opportunity for us to stretch into the faith that God has given us and to be who he says we are. In Romans 8.37, in the earlier translation, the way I learned it in the NIV, it said, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We are. It's not only about what's going to happen. It's about who you are, sister. It's about who you are, brother. You are wired like the buffalo. Same storm, different ability to respond to it. And in the spirit, you get to turn towards it and go, come on. <clears throat> Let's go. <laughs> 
Let's go. Let's go. Let me keep reading Romans 8, 37. It said, no, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Nothing. All the devil's going to try. We already talked about that, the acids trip, but we're going to be on the lookout for it. And when we begin to see some of that stuff taking place, we're going to call it out. And we're also going to give ourselves the freedom to do like what Paul did, which is to call out the names of the things that are trying to take out my life of faith. He went ahead and said it. He named seven particular things. He talked about uh, hunger and persecution and destitution and danger and the threat of death and trouble and calamity. He named them. Oh, you're going to try to take me out? You don't know who I am. I am one who is more than a conqueror through Christ who loved me. So what would be on your list? Would it be the same seven? Maybe it'd be the same seven. Maybe it'd be seven plus another three that nobody even knows about. Or maybe your list is a little different, but I, I challenge you, call them out, name them, and, and don't talk about them as though they were yours, because they're not. They're from the enemy sent against you. So it's not, you, it's not your depression. Don't be talking about, well, I'm, I'm struggling with my anxiety again. It's not your anxiety. Don't be talking about, well, my diabetes, it's not your diabetes. Don't be talking about, well, my, my cancer, it's not yours. Call it what it is. It's something that's coming against you, and you have an identity that is independent and separate from that which has been unleashed from hell to try to take you out. And your response is, mm. Mm, my God is for me, and I'm more than a conqueror through him who loved us. And I'm looking beyond. I'm seeing the dazzling brightness of the glory of my God, and I'm drawn towards the glory that he's prepared for me. And so I push with one hoof <laughs> step after the other. Do buffalo have hooves? I might have just got that so wrong. But you know what I'm saying. We get to turn and run and face with strength the things that come our way. And that's what allows us to be known as the ones who are more than conquerors because we faced it and we kept going. We looked at it in the eye and said, you don't win. My Jesus does. <laughs> this is who we get to be. The devil's trying to separate you. He can never win. Romans 8.38, the second part of it and following it, it says, neither death nor life nor angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Somebody give him praise for 15 seconds. God, we praise you for your unfailing love. Somebody say glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. My God is for me. My God is for me. So I walked out of that movie theater with my wife. Our date had been messed up. And I'm heading over to the counter. 
But then I remembered, like, oh, yeah, I, uh, Holy Spirit is leading me. <laughs> I walk up to the counter and said, hey, your projector broke. And, and we were in the middle of the movie. And she says, yeah, no problem, no problem. We'll give you a total refund right now. I'm like, okay, that's good. Restitution. I like it. Making good. Appreciate you, Cal Oaks. Good job. And then uh, she handed me uh, a, cu- a couple of, well, that's not the right one. That's somebody's card from first service. But she handed me uh, this, and it just says admit one. And she handed me a couple of them. She said, you're welcome to come see whatever movie you want whenever you'd like to see it on the house. Admit one. You know what I was thinking since then is, in a way, it's like as though Jesus looked at us in the brokenness and how everything got messed up in the middle of everything and and, and through his own sacrifice on the cross has issued for every single one of us a ticket, so to speak, to say, admit one, into the glory of God and the favor of God and the power of God. Admit one, because of what has been done for you, you have an admission into the kingdom of God through the love of Jesus Christ. And that's something to shout about. It's something to praise about. It's something (laughs) to dance about. It's something to hop about sometimes. It's something to be excited about. And it's something to lift your hands about. It's something to be glorifying God for. That I get to walk into an eternity of salvation with my God. How, How would I ever sit quietly and stoically as though I were bored about it? No, I can't help it sometimes to say, God, thank you. God, thank you. And I'm telling you, my brother, my sister, it's too good to sit still about. Oh, thank you, Lord. I live in eternal victory in the everlasting love of God. And and I'm I'm wrapping up with just this thought. You know, all all of this uh, section of, of Romans 8 has been full of, rhetorical questions and rhetorical statements. And in the, in the classic sense of rhetoric, something that's rhetorical is just a, a statement that d- doesn't require a response. And it's a statement made to, to convince or persuade, and there's no response needed. But I want to tell you today, even though it's been a whole lot of rhetorical questions, it's not rhetorical. And that's the title of my message. It's not rhetorical. A response is invited. And if you're a believer, your response is, my hands are in the air saying, thank you, Jesus. At any moment, my God is for me. My response to what Jesus has done and all the fullness of the glory of the gospel is when the enemy tries to come in like a flood against me, I'm declaring this. My God is for me. That stance alone is the stance of the one who is victorious. My God is for me. That's my response. Now, for somebody else, it's not rhetorical in this sense that it's time for you to respond. You've heard all about Jesus. You've heard all about how God's love is eternal and unfailing, but it hasn't become personal for you. You're kind of watching from the outside like you're a spectator or something but something inside of you is saying wait wait come on this is this i think this is for me you gotta you gotta respond 
Today, I'm urging somebody, if you never have, give your life to Jesus. Even if you're sitting at home right now or if you're outside on our campus or in this room, but you've honestly never said yes to Jesus Christ, today do that. Give your life to Jesus. Ask him to forgive your sins. Why would you want to be carrying around the weight of your own sins anymore when he offers to take them from you so you can be free? Do that. I'm urging you. Salvation is a gift. It's offered, but it's not forced on you. And so it's offered. And maybe today for you, it's the day of salvation and you don't know what tomorrow holds. And today it's offered, so take it. Respond. It's not rhetorical. Ask Jesus to forgive your sins and save your life. And let's just take a moment and pray together. God, we're grateful for your word. God, we are grateful for how you love us. God, we are grateful that you choose to give us testimony after testimony of how we've been able to overcome. And rather than looking at that as some kind of sign that you don't love us, instead, we're going to look at all these things and, and recognize that in each one of them, as hard as they have been, you've given us a chance in each one find your power lifting us up one more time over a mountain we never thought we could get over, but yet here we are. Thank you, God. Anybody who's ever faced a challenge and he brought you through it and you know that you're an overcomer, would you just say, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Just say it out loud right now while we're praying. Thank you, God. What you brought me through, how you've led me to overcoming, how I'm still alive, how we've survived, how we got here. Just say it. Thank you, God. 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 Whoo, thank you, God. It's one of the best things you could ever say as a true human being walking in a real spiritual health. Thank you, God. I didn't get myself here. You carried me. I didn't make myself whole. You're doing the healing. Thank you, God. Say it again with me. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. And now, Lord, I pray for, uh, for a couple of us to just experience a spiritual awakening. I'm praying for you in particular uh, this morning. If you're here, but the truth is, you know, you have been so far from God, it's not even funny. While we're all praying together, you're kind of wishing you could just leave right now. But the truth is, something's happening inside of you. And even though you've backslidden a lot and you've wandered way off the path, something inside of you knows, I need to come home and home is with your Father in heaven who loves you. I want to specifically invite you to do that right now. If you've never done this before, but you need to recommit your life to Jesus and get back on, on his path in your life. And, and you know just what that means, just how, how far you've kind of fallen away, but he's beckoning you right now. And if that's you and you would say, today, I need to do it. I need to recommit my life to Jesus and come back home to him. I want you right now to raise your hand. If that's true for you, you would say, I need to recommit my life to Jesus. Raise it up really high in the back, in the middle. Thank you. If there's anyone else, I don't want to miss you. In the very back, up at the top, thank you. Who else? You just know, I need to recommit my life to Jesus. I've wandered, and I need him to bring me home. Keep your hand up for a moment, right up here in the front and the right. Thank you. And, and with your hands up, you just pray with me, and you say, Jesus, you are my Savior still. Just say it with me, Jesus, you are my Savior still. And I want to come back home. And here's what, here's what I see in the Spirit. His arms open wide with a gentle, loving smile on his face, eager 
to just wrap his arms around you and say, welcome home, kid. Been missing you. Like that's what I hear in the heavenlies in this moment for your life. So you just, you've recommitted your life to Jesus. And today, I want our, our prayer team is going to be coming over towards you, maybe making their way your, your way to pray for you. And if you don't have a Bible, we'll give you one. We'll help you get connected. Let's keep praying. Father, I pray that you would keep on moving in our midst for whatever you want to do now. And, and for somebody else, it's not that you need to recommit your life to Jesus. It's that you, you've never known him. And you just kind of come to church and, and you're watching things go by, but you need to once and for all give your life to Jesus. If you've never given your life to Jesus, but you want to ask him to forgive your sins and save you once for all, would you just raise your hand right now? That's you finally saying, I need to actually say yes to Jesus and his mercy and his forgiveness and ask him to save me from my sins. I don't want to walk around in them anymore. I don't want to walk around in the shame anymore. Keep your hand up, raise it up right now and just decide right in the middle, in the back. Thank you. If there's anyone else, keep it up real high. I don't want to miss you. Am I right? And in the back, in the middle, that's great. And just pray and say, Jesus, would you forgive my sins and save my life? Jesus, I turn from my sin. I turn to you right now. Would you forgive me and save me? I'm yours. You're my savior from this moment on. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You can put your hand down. Thank you, Jesus, for new life. Okay, while we're all praying together, let's just ask, Holy Spirit, is there anything else you want to do among us right now? You, you ask that. Holy Spirit, is there anything else you want to do? Sometimes we need to just make sure there's space for Holy Spirit show up in ways that we didn't know. Holy Spirit, what else do you want to do while we're here? Is there any word of knowledge or specific insight you want for someone to receive or a touch you want someone to get? God, I'm asking you, give it to me. I hear this phrase, and the phrase is, your melody is good, but I want to add harmony. It's a very specific phrase. It's like, that's what I sense. God's speaking to somebody. And this is going to, for 99% of us, it's just going to be, eh, whatever. But for, there's one or two of you that that particular phrase, the melody is good, but I want to add harmony. It's like God speaking your language. And you might have even found yourself thinking something like that over this past week. And here I am out of nowhere just because I'm paying attention to what Holy Spirit is saying, saying something that resonates so deeply with you. God's saying, the melody is good. I want to add the harmony. And you're going to know what it means even more than I will. But what, what you need to hear is that God is releasing this to you so that you would know that he loves you so personally. And you, if that's for you, maybe later you can let me know. It's nice to know, but hold on to it if it's for you. And just would you pray with me a little bit longer? Holy Spirit, is there anything else you want to do? Anybody else you want to touch? Any, any kind of freedom or, or healing you want to do? We welcome you, Holy Spirit. 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 Somebody just say that with me. We welcome you to move, Holy Spirit. 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 Yeah, I, I gotta pray for, uh, <laughs> it might be the calf muscles or it might be the feet. It's either of those, but I'll just tell you something. 
I found myself a few minutes ago jumping up and down up here, and I should not have been jumping up and down. I shouldn't have. I really shouldn't have, but I could. And it's like God released something into me. And, but it's not just for me. It, it, I mean that. There's somebody else that that is actually just as much for. Like you came in hobbling today because of your calf muscles or your feet. And I just feel in my own body like God is going, well, I'm going to do something about that for somebody. So if you walked in here today kind of hurting in your feet and your calf muscles, right now, if you want God to touch you and heal you, I believe that he's on the move to do that very thing. And if that is you, would you just raise your hand right now? If you go, man, I, I don't know how you knew that, but yes, I need God and I want God to touch me. Keep your hand up real high on my far right over here. Is there anyone else in the front, right here in the front, both of you? Anyone else right here in the back? Now, my prayer and ministry team people, and if you're a brother and sister on a team in our church and you know Jesus can heal right over here in the back. I want to make sure I see way up top in, in the risers in the back. Keep your hand up for us, all right? Way up here in the back in the left. There's a bunch of us. Wow. Keep your hand up for us. And if you know Jesus has the power to take charge and bring healing, I want you to go over to these people that have their hand up right now. Lay your hand on them and just begin to pray in the spirit that God would heal them, that God would heal them. Keep Now, everyone else, here's what you do in a moment like this. You kind of begin to go, God, man, that person's hurting. Would you touch them and help them? I mean, wouldn't you want someone to pray that way for you? Would you just do that right now? Even if you don't know how else to pray, just maybe, God, would you help that person? Just look over their way, maybe even kind of do one of these with your hands. <laughs> God, would you help that person? Come on, pray for somebody. Wouldn't you want someone praying for you if you're in that much pain? Just pray, God, help that person. God, help them. God, help somebody right now. And while we're praying, I want to tell you this. In our first service today, I had a word of knowledge to pray for left ears. And one brother in our church had been deaf in his left ear. And one other brother walked over to him and laid hands on him and he was healed. That happened right over here in this room two hours ago. God does that kind of thing in his own way. And I believe he's doing that kind of thing even right now. Okay, so I want everybody to stand up, all, all of you, stand up together, even those being prayed for. Stand up right now, especially those who are being prayed for. This is kind of the moment of truth in the sense of what did God do? And I want you, some of you, to try it like me. Like, just try it. Like, just begin to do the pogo. <laughs> the praise pogo. You see a couple of us doing it right over here in the front. We get our calisthenics on. And, come on. Now, those of you who are being prayed for, did God touch you? And did he, did he touch you in such a way that he's healed your body and you can feel it? You know that you're able to flex on those feet like you just couldn't have otherwise. Do you know that he did it? Did God touch you and heal you? If he did, right now I want you to raise your hand. If you can honestly say, God touched me and he healed me. Where? Where? Right here, brother. Come on! Right here. What else? Keep your hand up. Keep your hand up. I want to see you. Did God touch you? Raise your hand high. Raise it high if he did. Right here. Come on, who else? Did he touch you? We prayed for you. Over here, was there somebody we prayed for and did he touch you? Can you feel what he did in your body? Right there in the back? Come on, when there's a hand raised saying, you can't make this up. My God touched my body. This is the kingdom of God. This is what Jesus gave his life for us to live into. So would somebody right now just begin to say, glory to God. 
say it again. Glory to God. Glory, 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 glory. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Let me sing it out.